0: Hi, this is Mark Weiss. I'm very pleased to welcome to uh, the podcast, Reed Tinsley. Reed is a Houston-based CPA, but he's really a lot more. He's also a Certified Valuation Analyst and a Certified Healthcare Business Consultant. Reed, welcome to Advisory Law Group's Wisdom Applied Podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Now, Reed, before we get started, please let the uh, the listeners know more about the the kind of work you do, and especially – for whom you do it.
1: Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, as as you mentioned, the CPA, uh, that's my starting out training. Uh, Luckily enough, 25 years ago, I started specializing in the physician market. And it's progressed to the point right now where I do about 30 to 35 percent the straight CPA business, which is, you know, the accounting tax, financial planning, that kind of stuff. And the rest is what I consider healthcare consulting, litigation support and business valuation for physician practices or related to physician practices. From the healthcare consulting standpoint, uh I can pretty much do anything for physician practice except for medical record chart audits. That's one thing I do not do. So uh so the the service range is, is quite wide.
0: And, and and but what about geographically do you represent clients in a particular area of the country or, or all over
1: yeah i do uh my my demographics is about 50% uh texas 50% outside of texas uh you know with the advances of technology it's amazing i've got ongoing clients in new jersey chicago those areas even west mm-hmm. coast and uh with technology it's like you're there the whole
0: time yeah yeah well let, let me ask you this and the really really the reason I, I wanted to interview you was that i recently saw an article on your website commenting on the top 10 challenges that the medical group management association the, the MGMA uh, identified as the, the the top challenges for medical practices in 2012 and beyond and I wanted to follow up with you on four of the ten subject areas that that you address in that article. The the first is the issue of dealing with rising operating costs. Could you could you address that for us? Uh,
1: yeah, you know it, it's amazing. I was uh, surprised to see that on the survey, um, and then again I wasn't surprised mainly because you know overhead is an easy target for physicians. I've got a, a Colleague in Tennessee, who gets frustrated with his physician clients about messing around with the overhead, he calls it diddling with the overhead. (laughs) Uh, And and the reason for that is overhead's right in front of you. You can see it. You can touch it. uh, You can easily cut it. Uh, But you know, in today's environment, you know, it shouldn't be about overhead. You know, in today's environment, it's all about the top line. And I have a favorite saying that. You know, if I'm able as a consultant to go into a practice and significantly cut someone's overhead, you know that administrator should be fired on the spot. And mm-hmm. and the only caveat to that is if the administrator gets physician interference. In other words, they're making these recommendations, and the physician just won't act.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But mm-hmm. you know, if you're looking at your overhead and you're managing it, it ought to be today lean and mean. Uh, and that way, if it is. You can concentrate on the top line, growing that top line. And, you know, to manage overhead, you've, you've got to look at, you know, expense categories compared to last year. You've got to continuously bid out your, your pricing for various goods and services. And you just can't sit there on your hands and just start writing checks. And mm-hmm. if you're proactively mm-hmm. managing that overhead, uh, you can keep it lean and mean. And, and uh, to me, the goal is if you could keep overhead near what it was in the prior year with a, you know with some percentage increases because you're going to give raises and things like that. remember, your four biggest overhead categories in a physician practice is personnel and benefits, rent, insurances, supplies,/ slash drugs,/ slash pharmaceuticals you know, everything after that is pretty small potatoes.
2: Mm-hmm, so if mm-hmm. you concentrate
1: on those four and also concentrate on the others, um, you know, you ought to be able to be managing your overhead today. So mm-hmm, again, like I mm-hmm. said, I'm surprised that, that that was on the top 10, but then again, I wasn't surprised.
0: Yeah. Well, sw- sw- switching to the issue of growing the top line, the the second uh, of the, the points that, that I wanted to focus on that the, MGMA identified was the the challenge of collecting from self-pay or high deductible health plan and HSA patients. What what, what can you what can you tell the listeners about that?
1: Yeah, th- this is where I kind of get on my soapbox. Um, go ahead,
0: go ahead, this is your chance.
1: <laughs> I will do it. Uh, is that you know the front desk to me today is probably one of the or if not the most important positions in a medical practice that is the focal point of the patient both from making the appointment to check out but that is the position generally where you pay the least and you get the least training mm-hmm. and they throw these people into these positions expecting them to know how to collect money human nature by itself you know lends itself to I don't like to ask people for money. Uh-huh. And and when they object to paying money, uh, I don't know how to respond. Uh-huh. And again that gets to the training part. So to be successful at the front desk, it's all about training, it's all about monitoring, it's all about accountability. And so the really good practice is when they hire someone at the front desk, that administrator or office manager is sitting with that person for one or two days, full days, helping train them on the processes in their office of collecting copays, deductibles, et cetera. And mm-hmm. then you got to monitor. And you know, the benchmark with any medical practice is that every patient that comes in that can pay $1 at the time of visit, that practice ought to be collecting every day. 90% of those visits, some monies. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying all monies. I'm just saying mm-hmm. some monies, because some monies, whatever you collect, obviously doesn't end up in the receivables process.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And then last is, you know, when you benchmark that and you quantify it, then it becomes the accountability. Why aren't you collecting more monies at the front desk? What is going on? Mm-hmm. Um, I have, a, as a consultant, Uh, And I've had this for a long time, a rule of thumb, is when I set a meeting with a physician or a physician client, I will always show up 15 to 20 minutes early for my appointment, and I park myself in the reception area. And what I'm doing in those 15 to 20 minutes is I'm watching the front desk. I can see how they're handling the phones. I can see how they're handling the patient flow. I can see how they're interacting with patients um, at the front desk. I can see how they're handling the telephones. I can see how they're checking patients out and collecting money. And you just see the flow. And then you can see all the problem areas you know, that occur with regards to the front desk.
0: Mm-hmm. And again,
1: that's the accountability part. And that's again, that's the one thing at the front desk that I find. Is there is a total lack of training, monitoring, and accountability?
0: Well, what about read those physician groups that are hospital based that, as opposed to having their own personnel doing billing and collection, outsource that completely to to a to a billing service? Uh, have you had experience with with groups that do that, and uh, how would you modify? um your comments for for those types of uh, of physician groups
1: you know hospital based groups uh you know again with the advent of online verifications you pretty much know what the patient is going to come out of pocket with and so the key is be before the services is rendered collect those monies up front mhm so, for example, my uh, last year my wife had a hysterectomy, and believe me, before she even went to the hospital, we were writing checks to the anesthesiology group, and we were writing checks to the plastic surgeon, the, uh, the OB-GYN, who, you know, did, did the procedure. But mm-hmm. mainly the hospital. I mean, the facility... Uh, not only with the anesthesiologist, both them and the hospital were sending letters saying, based on your coverage, this is what we are going to uh, charge you and we'd like a check before the service is rendered. Mm -hmm,
2: mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: And that's my big complaint about medical practices in general is that is, you know, things that we do on the back end, you know, which is we bill, we see the patient, we bill we collect, look at those collection activities and ask yourself, how can I move those up to the front? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that could be surgical deposits, that could be, like I said, online verification, so you know what the patient is coming out of pocket for, you can have a discussion about that before the service is rendered, those kinds of things. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that would be the recommendation to the listener
0: you know that the MGMA also identified the problem of maintaining physician compensation models what 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 can you share about that
1: well what's happening out there as we, we all know is that there is extreme pressure on uh revenues and you know overhead is increasing and what gets caught in the middle is physician compensation and so physician compensation is under attack in other words, as the amount of monies available for distribution uh go down, then we're fighting over a smaller pie. And so there's a knee jerk reaction to change compensation formulas. So, you know and I and I, I've been involved in a lot of those referring. You know, I whenever I get called into a a compensation dispute, uh, I literally like to Put on my my referee shirt because that's about what you're doing is you're refereeing mm-hmm. the fight yeah. and and so again you got to remember is as a group you know what are the goals of the formula what are you trying to achieve by the formula and stick to that formula Re, you know th- there's an old saying you know in our community the healthcare community Is that there is no perfect compensation plan that the perfect compensation plan is the one where every physician can walk away from the table just a little bit pissed off (laughs) I mean and 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 that's true from all of Mm -hmm. my experiences you're never gonna make everyone happy yeah I mean I've never been in a situation where people jump up and down and say I love my compensation and I love my compensation formula there's always something about it that someone doesn't like, so you know, as we enter this era era of continuing decline in reimbursement, the uncertainty of health care reform, uh the increasing you know cost of doing business um you know the thing is is don't let you know the compensation formula change. Simply because of management's failure to act and that's the one thing I want to emphasize Mm -hmm. on this podcast Mm -hmm. is You know a lot of times if there's more money on the bottom line The physicians wouldn't be complaining and here's a good example I did a compensation engagement of a 60 doctor group and when I do these I always like to interview each physician individually on a confidential basis to discuss the formula and everything surrounding it. I was about 30 doctors in, and after hearing everything the doctors were saying, you know, the first 30, I looked up at a doctor and I said, let me ask you a question. Would I be here if there was another million dollars on the bottom line? And the mm-hmm. doctor looked at me and he said, probably not.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
1: And in this case, there were a lot of decisions That this group needed to make that they weren't making. For example, they had a a satellite office that was losing a lot of money, but they wouldn't cut out that satellite office because the highest producer, the cardiologist, wanted it there.
2: Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm.
1: And made a big stink about, you're not going to cut out this office for whatever reason. Uh-huh. And so if management or the Board of Directors isn't willing to make the hard decisions to either cut overhead or do what it takes to increase revenue, uh, you know, shame on them, but don't change the compensation formula to compensate for that failure to act.
0: Uh-huh. Hmm. Okay. Well, the, the, the last point I'd like to address is well, it's related to everything else we've talked about, and that's that's the very broad challenge for physicians that the MGMA identified as simply managing finances. So, how how, how could you wrap up the sort of heart of the, the conversation today uh, uh, in connection with with that reference? You know, managing finances.
1: Well, as I mentioned in the article, you know, cash flow is king and maximizing the cash flow is becoming harder and harder. But what I am finding is that the proactive practices that are literally on top of their finances are the successful ones. And, you know, what do I mean about managing finances? You know, what I mean by that is, you know, looking literally at your financial statements on a monthly basis, on a comparative basis, how are we doing this year versus last year? Looking at your charges collections and adjustments your collection ratios your receivable ratios the percent of your AR over 90 days old You know, how are you we doing and if we're not doing better this year than last year? Why not and what mm-hmm. can we do about it?
2: Mm-hmm. You don't
1: wait until year-end to figure this stuff out You're literally looking at it on a month-to-month basis and tied to that is the successful practices, literally, I don't care how big you are or how small you are, i.e. the solo practitioner, is you have a monthly financial meeting. And the first two items on that meeting are your financial statements and your practice management statistics. And you go over all the finances of the practices, so everyone's eyes are wide open to what is going on. And, again, the ultimate benchmark is, as a practice, are we doing better this year than last year and mm-hmm. if not why not mm-hmm. and you you identify that immediately and then you can react to it the ones that you know have problem managing finances there are you know breaks in that process that i just talked about you know they get together haphazardly uh they aren't even doing you know preparing practice management reports and related benchmarks you know, the CPA or internally produces financial statements and they just stick it in a drawer and don't look at it.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, that
1: kind of sloppiness, yeah. you know, leads to a loss of revenue. But the ones that are on top of it, and those are the ones that manage their finances really well. So, uh, you know, to me, that's the key is, is the process of how you look at your finances. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, Reed, you know, thank you very much for your comments today. It was uh, extremely interesting. Before we wrap up, though, please let listeners know how they can reach you.
1: Uh, Absolutely. The best way is the website, rtacpa.com, or read t -t at rtacpa.com.
0: Read again, thank you very, very much for sharing your thoughts today. Uh, I hope to talk to you again soon. Thanks, Mark.